You can now hear Movie Heaven, Movie Hell on Stitcher. Stitcher is ready on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favourite shows, plus discover from 20,000 news, entertainment and sports shows. You can also create your own custom playlists. Stitcher is available on iOS, Android, Nook, iPad and in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and it's on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory. You can stream your favourite podcasts from Stitcher. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. And please, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher. Thank you. Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers and cinema enthusiasts who enjoy discussing movie franchises and associated media. And for this special episode, we're really pleased to have a guest with us. We are joined by friend and actor Ben Shockley. So welcome to the podcast, Ben. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, always a pleasure. Yeah. Um, before we actually dig into this particular episode, uh, Ben, for the yep. benefit of our listeners, uh, could you maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and your work, please? Okay. Uh, well, my name's Ben Shockley. Uh, I'm, uh, I'd call myself an independent film actor. I've been in the business for over about 20 years. And since about 2005, I've been concentrating on getting sort of lead parts and sort of smaller character roles in in feature films basically yeah yeah very good and of course we've all worked together now haven't we all, all, all yes. three of us so uh, on various projects <laughs> That's right. and of course i was very lucky to be in uh simon's film modern love feature film that's right and also we worked together on uh, out of hours that's right yes yeah yeah by clive and, ashenden yeah. yes and of course, Keith, I met a number of years ago um, while you were making a film which will not mention um, <laughs> down in <laughs> down in Kent, wasn't it? Oh, that's right. Yes, that's that's how that's how we all met. And uh, yeah, there you go. And we and we bonded because um, uh, you know, obviously, our mutual name, admiration for Clint. Exactly, our mutual ad- admiration for Clint Eastwood and. Uh, we kind of uh, totally bonded over that and um, have been friends ever since, which is yep. which is good. So it's, it's good to, to finally get you on the uh, on the podcast. We do like uh, getting our friends on board, particularly when we've got something, uh, you know, relevant to talk about. And um, uh-huh. I, I think uh, for this one, we're going to have fun because we all get to go ape on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I've already gone ape. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's quite interesting. I mean, myself and Simon, you know, as, as we often say on these podcasts, we're kind of into loads of different movies and franchises and, you know, all of that sort of stuff, TV shows, etc. But mm. um, you're one of those people, Ben, that I would say is 
fanatical on specific things. Would you would you say that's a uh, a, a fair assessment? I'd have to agree a hundred percent. So so obviously, as an actor, you're you're uh, you're you're a Clint Eastwood fan through and through. And I'm a, I must admit, you know, I'm a massive fan of him as an actor and as a um, you know filmmaker producer as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then on the music side, I know you're a big big Elvis fan. Uh-huh. Um, but in the terms of sort of sci-fi fantasy and whatever, you really are a Planet of the Apes aficionado, aren't you? Oh, yeah, I guess so, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm totally obsessed with them, if you want to put it that way. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, t- tell us from, from your side of things, wh- where, where did it all start for you? I mean, how did you find out about Planet of the Apes and sort of get into it in the first place? Probably when I was about, God, it must be about eight or nine, I would think. Um, didn't have a colour TV at that time. Um, a friend of mine who just lived down the road um, said, oh, this, this this fantastic film on tonight called Planet of the Apes, come and watch it. So I went and watched it with his family. And I have to say, um, I was totally blown away. I mean, partly because, well, my, it still is, my favourite animal is the gorilla, probably. And around that time, I guess, as a, as a kid of a certain age, you kind of start thinking about what you might want to do when you leave school. And pro- probably astronaut is on one of those on the top 10, I should think. <laughs> so coupled with, you uh, you know, an astronaut going to another planet and discovering that it's run by apes, I mean, it's, you know, it's a double whammy for me, I suppose. Right. Fair enough. And what, what about you, Simon? When did you first sort of get introduced to uh, the planet of the apes? Well, through TV. Um, now, my memory's a bit uh, shaky on this. I'm not sure if I watched Beneath first and then Planet of the Apes or the other way around. I know that mm-hmm. um, in the early 80s, uh, both of them were playing on ITV quite a bit. Yeah. And um, But the thing was... Um, the first time I sort of sat down and watched all of them back to back was in the 90s um, when Channel 4 was running them, uh, you know, night after night uh, mm. one week. And so I was able to, to sit down and watch, you know, Planet Beneath, Escape. Um, oh, you're going to kill me for not remembering. Con- Conquest and, Thank and you. Battle. Battle. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, Conquest has always been a one that uh, I think I've seen the the least amount. I think I've only watched it fully uh, once, yet all the others I have seen uh, many times. It's funny. I think the the one I've seen the most is actually Battle, because Battle used to get shown on Sunday afternoons a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And... uh, um, now I, I remember. I think my, I was trying to think about this. When did I first become aware of, of Planet of the Apes? And um, I was trying to remember. And I think what happened was m- my parents, bless them, um, y- you know, they they always tried to get things that they think they think that I'd like. Um, but you know, they didn't always have a massive amount of money. 
And um, I think I remember that they went into a charity shop um, one time and they picked up an old annual of, I think it was probably the Planet of the Apes TV series, actually. Mm. And um, they got me that. And, and I remember I was really fascinated by it because it had it had like a sort of comic strip uh, story in it but it also had some sort of photographs and I think even maybe some behind the scenes stuff of the makeup and whatever from the from the TV show and um, that that was kind of my you know I was very very young at the time but that was actually kind of my first introduction into it and then you know became aware of it so I think I may have seen possibly episodes of the reruns of the television series before I actually sort of dug into the movies but Certainly by the time, you know, I had sort of home video stuff, um, Planet of the Apes was, you, you know, the, 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 the five films was in my, uh, in my VHS collection and then in my DVD collection and now obviously in my Blu-ray collection. So, uh, so you know, I've always been kind of, uh, kind of into it as well. So, um, yeah. Can I ask, as somebody who's never seen the TV series, is it any good? The TV series? Yeah. Um, have you not seen it? Did you say you hadn't seen it? I haven't seen it. Oh, um, it's okay. I mean, the thing is, um, obviously, I remember that quite vividly as well. And I have to say, obviously, it, it fed my um, my interest in Planet of the Apes by watching it you know, week after week. Having said that, there was only, I think there was only about 12 episodes, in fact. Um, yeah. But it's it's good fun. I mean, it's it's you know it's formulaic. You know, chimpanzee and two humans go round, and something happens to them, and they go to another town, and they move on, and then they get in trouble again the next week, and they move on. So it's kind of that almost like Incredible Hulk kind of thing. You know, you know David Banner coming into town. There's a problem, gets sorted out, moves on. You know that kind of stuff. So it's a bit it's a bit like that. So I don't know whether how long it would have continued really i mean apparently there was supposed to be a second series but it never happened it it was more popular over here apparently this series than the u.s oh yeah uh, i don't yeah, know if that is that, that right well. yeah no I've, I've read that i mean i think there were i think there were an end in the end uh, produced 14 episodes before it got 14 cancelled. that's right yeah, yeah and um you're right they they definitely use the 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 sort of fugitive model um in terms of the storytelling um Mm. And, uh, you know, it was quite it's quite interesting because it, it was slightly different than the movies in so much as uh, apparently, e- even though the the spacecraft that the astronauts left in, they, they sort of mm. left in in 1980, which, of course, was then the future. Um, yeah. Yeah. They actually arrive about a thousand years before um, George Taylor uh yeah arrives so therefore the humans at this point aren't so devolved that they they can't talk or or and you know have limited um uh sort of mental capacity that they're, they're, they're sort mm. of more they're more just sort of victims of the uh the holocaust um and, mm. and, and and you know and obviously the apes have the power so it is quite interesting where it fits in and um uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I think they were all right. I think they you're, you're absolutely right. They were low budget. You know, they were clearly filmed on the, the sort of studio back lot. And yeah. uh, they, they suffered from the fact that, um, you know, as as 
in the in the early 70s much of the storytelling was was it was a very episodic in yes, its nature sure. so it became quite repetitive but um yeah but i haven't watched them for a few years but uh they, they were quite fun in fact in fact um you might know about this ben because uh, mm. i've never seen this but w when we talked about battlestar galactica we mentioned that there was um a sort of trend in the 80s about releasing um uh telemovie versions and oh, yes. my, my understanding is they they took like 10 of the episodes and turned them yeah. into sort of five tv movie of the week type things but is it yeah. right that roddy mcdowell came back to film some stuff as an older version of galen talking that's about right. the adventure as an intro or something is that right that's right yeah i have seen them not 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 recently but a few years ago i saw some extra bits and i think they were on youtube but i can't find them at the moment but yeah they did they they brought him back and um he put the makeup back on again and, and did his thing fabulous okay um, so <laughs> but but you were saying about um budgets um i mean the one of the i mean I'm, you're probably going to get into this but the problem i think the planet of the apes series of movies suffered from um which is unlike these days is that unfortunately every time a sequel happened the budget got sh smaller that's right. Mm. Yes. You know? Yeah. Essentially, they they half the budget for each movie. Yeah. Didn't it, they? It, Which, when you think about it, that's quite an accomplishment for those later movies that they they hold up so well as they did. Really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just such a shame that you know they didn't do it the other way around. That the weird thing was that was their thinking was oh well the next one's not going to do as well as the previous one so let's make the budget smaller. It's like well why not bung the money on on camera yeah if they'd done that then maybe then each one would have been more successful than the previous one you know that kind of thing well yeah yeah but that was the model back then that uh yeah. if, if they decided to make a sequel for a for a film which was very mm. rare um yeah they they always sort of slashed the budget because they saw that the return was going to be less anyway sure but it, yeah. you know it, that was just being short-sighted on their side of things yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it was it wasn't until the sort of uh, you know eighties and the whole sort of Empire Strikes Back thing where where that model changed and um, you, well, you know yes. you end up getting but more I mean, expensive sequels. But then uh, Godfather Two was was made before Empire, and that was a more expensive sequel. Oh right, right. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, you, you know, I did a I did a little bit of a marathon uh, of the. Uh, of the original um movie series of planet of the apes and mm. um you know you know regardless of the fact that the budgets were s slashed for each film yeah. i still think you know um hats off to the various directors and of course Ar arthur p jacobs is the producer of this yes. um I, I i still think that uh you, you know that, that they hold up pretty well and they have a you know great great entertainment value across the uh, across the board and they each try and do something a little bit different as well so um sure. it was that old thing where because they had budget limitations it almost made them more creative in some ways um sure. I, I know paul dern um who was sort of bought into script uh from from the second one onwards um yeah. he'd obviously had success with 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 goldfinger uh, uh, um, right. you know and uh 
you know, the whole idea of escape from Planet of the Apes, the third one, mm. um, about, you know, having them come back in time and come into a contemporary or then contemporary society um, was was simply because that way they only had to have sort of three principles sure. uh, dressed up as apes and yeah. they didn't have to design sets and, y yeah. you know, it would help with the budget, but also made for one of the sort of more creative and um, interesting storylines and, 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 you know, paradoxes mm. um, that, that, that the series, you know, offered. So sure. it was quite interesting, I think. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're right in saying that, but i um interested to know, was Conquest less money than Escape? Because Conquest, we had a lot more apes. And, yeah. And also, I think story-wise was rather more interesting, the whole idea of... Um, apes being used as slaves as being used as manual labor and their uprising yeah. no absolutely yeah well conquest i have to say is probably one of my favorites of the lot because it is darker and it does touch on other subjects i mean i mean the whole film franchise used to touch on if you if you look deep enough or read into it you know there's loads of stuff about you know suppression prejudice you know the, war, the 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 peace movement, classism. You know, you name it; it's all in there. And yes, Simon, particularly that one. You know, you could say that there's there's a lot to do with sort of um, you know prejudice in there and racism and, and and things about about slavery. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I mean, conquest. I think is is by by far the the, the darkest instalment probably um, yeah. yes and no and I, I, know... I i can i just say i think mm. uh, beneath the planet of the oaks was very dark as well i remember sure. when i watched uh, watching that as a kid uh did that especially the ending where you know sh spoiler if you haven't seen <laughs> it um yeah. it you know they destroy the world yeah yes you can't get yeah. more dark than that, can you? Well, and the and the mutants, <laughs> the mutants themselves, you know. Again, spoiler alert: when they they reveal themselves and take the faces off, and you see all these all the veins and all that sort of stuff underneath, you know, that's pretty horrific. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Apparently, that was an idea of um, Ted Post as well. That was, uh, you, you know, his his idea to have them sort of appear. Yeah. With the um, the, the dermal layer of their skin missing and all this sort of thing was something that, that you know, he contributed um, in his design of it. So, you know, yeah. hats off to him for that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right. It does deal, you know, you know, the series definitely has its moments of humor throughout, but it does also yeah. deal with some very dark things and, um, and indeed, you know, some, some, some real sort of social issues from, from the mm. different times. So yes, there, there is quite an interesting, uh, commentary that sort of runs throughout them. Um, yeah. but by the same merit, they are, you know, damn fun, entertaining romps as well. Yeah. So, it, yeah. it, you know, it, it is a very, very, um, uh, you know, clever and creative series of films. And, um, and, you know, I, I think, I think they, for the most part, they pretty much hold up today. Um, I don't know whether that's just nostalgia on my part that, uh, that, that, that sees, that doesn't see through it, but, um, <laughs> well, uh, I don't I know don't whether know. a millennial I've... would think the same, but you know, <laughs> I mean, like you, Keith, I've, I mean, I've seen some of them quite recently and, it's a lot to do with the actors' performances, I have to say, and and how well some of them do, kind of better than others sometimes. I mean, I remember 
reading or hearing about Roddy McDowell saying that you really had to exaggerate your facial expressions underneath the mask, not the mask, sorry, the appliances, oh, dirty word masks, um, <laughs> um, because you had to do that to show, you know, um, the expression to the audience, to the other actors or whatever. And I think some actors could achieve it more than others, you know. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, Roddy was the, um, uh, y y you know, the, the, the real king of this series. Yeah. It, it was literally only beneath that he didn't appear in, wasn't it? Because, That's right. Um, because of a scheduling conflict and uh yeah you, you, you know uh as with all film franchises there always seems to be an actor continuity issue somewhere amongst them <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but uh but i guess when it's under all that uh that appliance as as you correctly said there um it's <laughs> it's it's not quite as noticeable but uh no but um but you, you know interesting for him and and, and i know I've seen interviews that he did, um, you know, before he sadly passed. And mm. um, he, he, this was one of his favourite um, achievements of his incredibly long acting career, because obviously he started yeah, yeah. as a child actor, didn't he? So, yes, um, sure. Uh, I, I, know, I know he always had a lot of affection for that. And also getting to play not only, um, you know, Cornelius, but also play his own son, in, in, well, you yeah. know, as Caesar. <laughs> yeah. A rare, a rare opportunity for any actor. <laughs> sure, I think I think one of the only other actors in the in the franchise who who was in four out of five was the actress Natalie Trundy. Do you, did That's you know right. she played? Yeah, she is that right? She played different characters um, yeah. in them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she was was she not uh, was she the wife of one of the producers or something? Is that correct? yeah? Arthur P. Jacobs, I believe. Ah. Okay. <laughs> How did she get that job? Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> and Linda Harrison oh. was a, was apparently going out with the the head of Fox at the time. That's right. It was um, Richard Zanuck. Is that right? Yeah, Dick Zanuck. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and of course, she, to her credit as well, before playing Nova, she actually did play Zira in the test. That's film right. that they did sure. for the studio didn't didn't yeah. she with yeah. um edward g robinson and uh james brolin right yeah i believe has simon so, seen that simon no i've not seen the test footage no it's really interesting i have to say i mean yeah edward g., edward g robinson in it as well playing zayas right and the other actor keith the um, um there's James James Brolin is playing that's right, Cornelius yeah. and that's then Linda right. Harrison was playing Zira and of course Charlton Heston was already a, attached to the project at this point. I mean he, you know right. th thanks to Charlton Heston it is part of the reason this this got made in the first place. Yeah. And um but you, you know Richard Zanuck uh mm. you know was very much behind it but he just wanted convincing that the uh that the, the audience wouldn't wouldn't just think it was ridiculous and laugh yeah, at yeah. the eight makeup because you know prior to that it had always been kind of a, a comic comic comedy kind of thing in a lot of movies leading up to it so yeah. um they they did the uh the, the john chambers um makeup test That's uh, right. with his wonderful work there and uh, it's what it's what basically secured them the finance so it's well worth watching actually it's a really good scene um oh, it's yeah. a scene that still still made it 
you know, the, the, the DNA of the scene still made it sort of into the final uh, film. But sadly, um, Edward G. Robinson wasn't uh, well at that point. So um, so that's why, you know, he didn't end up playing Zaius um, for the actual movies themselves. Yeah. Do you know what, okay. Keith? I think mm. I think it was a different makeup guy that did the test, if I remember. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, they got John Chambers in afterwards. Ah, okay, interesting. Um, another very famous very good. Uh, makeup guy, though. But I'm, oh, God, it's got the name's gone out of my head, unfortunately. Right, right. Okay, fair enough. Well, Just I mean, to pull it, you it, up it's... on that one. No, no, that's that's that's. <laughs> hey, Ben, Ben. You know, like I said at the beginning, you're the aficionado on this. Yeah, stuff, you know yes, what but I, I can't. Mean? <laughs> I can't remember the other guy's name. <laughs> but um, but well worth uh, anybody that. That's you know interested in seeing that it's well mm. worth checking out. It's only about an eight minute scene, I think. It's not particularly yeah. long, but it's mm. uh, but it is very effective. Is that so, on one... the uh, DVD Blu-ray? It is indeed. Uh-huh. Yes, mm. yes, and I believe it's on YouTube as well. I think it's, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. if you Google it. But yeah. uh... but interestingly, guys, as as usual, you know, I mean, the the original Apes concept was turned down by every major studio in Hollywood. Yes. And it was only it was only as you said, Keith. Only it was only getting Charlton Heston on board as the star that made people really from from Fox sit up and listen. Really, that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, apparently, even Pierre Boulle, the um, the author of the novel, mm. um, even even he didn't think it was it had any cinematic value. Um, <laughs> which is quite interesting when you know this is the guy that. That, that thought this up or thought this concept up, you know, yeah. even, even he initially, um, you know, didn't think it, it would, it would make a good movie. And, uh, well, how yeah. wrong could he have been? Well, yeah. <laughs> Nine <Exactly>. movies later. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, one of the reasons why the film works so well is the twist at the end. Cause, um, Keith, mm. do you know how the book ends? What the, uh, I, the, I do, yes, yeah. yes. Okay, for, for different this, to the film, very different from the <laughs> film. So, uh, for listeners out there who don't know what the ending of the book is, is that uh, it does it? Um, you the the book is from sort of like a like a diary, or it's been told from a one point of view, and then you discover at the end that the people who are actually reading this are apes and they laugh and they they throw this away because <laughs> they go well humans certainly couldn't come up with this uh, yeah but it was um ray bradbury who came up with the idea for the ending of uh planet the apes and uh, i mean i don't need to spoil it for you because the poster for planet the apes spoils it for you well the <laughs> ones they've used for the dvds and v8 vhs of course, that uh, it turns out that um, Charlton Heston's character has not gone back to it, hasn't landed on a new planet. He's actually gone back to Earth in the future. Mm. Yeah. Was it, was it, um, I thought it was actually Rod Serling that came up with the idea for that ending. Oh, you might, might be, you that. might be, might be right, actually. Well, yeah, he's the guy who wrote the, yeah, the Twilight Zone, wasn't he? And he that's was, right. yeah, he was yes, involved. Yeah, 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 involved yeah. Sorry, yes, okay. you're right. Yes, yes, you're right. Yeah. It is Rod Serling who came up with the, the ending. But a great ending. What, yes. I mean, what, what, what an iconic, what oh, an yeah. iconic yeah. ending to a film. And, and you're right, unfortunately, it's not a twist anymore because, no. like you said, all, all of the <laughs> all of the posters and merchandise yeah. since about 1985 have, <laughs> have yeah. had that 
plastered over it. But um, yeah, yeah. In I fact, mean, I um, often wish I could go back in time and wipe my memory and uh, you, you know, you know, be experience that as the audience would have for the first time. It must have been, you know, qu- quite yeah, a breathtaking yeah. shock, actually. You know, <laughs> I mean. I mean, the Tim Burton version kind of <laughs> did touch on the sort of end of um, of the novel, not not the bit that you pointed out when they're where they're apes on holiday, but you know yeah. the bit where they come back and uh, they get greeted. He gets greeted by these police cars that turn up and they come out and you can see that they're gorillas yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and in fact, while we're on that subject, then Ben, let me ask you because I know you're mm. a massive fan of of. of Planet of the Apes, you know, the original. A massive what? A magic, massive fan of the um, oh, right. Planet of the Apes. But uh, um, what did you, because me, me and Simon have already discussed Tim Burton's yes. film yeah. on our uh, on our normal movie heaven, movie hell. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but what were your thoughts on, on the Burton film? Well, I have to say, when I heard that Tim Burton was directing it, um, I wasn't very happy as, as a fan. Um, I like a couple of his previous films, um, but I thought, I'm not sure about this. And when they started talking about casting, I was thinking, I don't think that's going to work either. I'd I'd much preferred to have seen someone like Kevin Costner play the uh, astronaut. No argument from me. But But that would have aged it up, (laughs) because I know they were probably going for a younger audience. You know, know, I love... love, um, Oh God! What's his name? <laughs> Who was in it? Oh, oh Charlton Heston. No, no, um, Marky Mark. Oh, Ma- Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> now I like him now, but I didn't really like him then, and I still don't think he was the right casting. Um, now the makeup, yeah, pretty advanced. Um, they did it a different way. I, I guess. Did you notice they didn't have such a sort of a protruding bottom bit on the below lip? It was more like the the actor's mouth. I think. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think. Yeah, that's no, I more think no, right. you're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but again, it's all down to the performance, and, and not all the actors um, could work could work the makeup as well as some. I mean, obviously, Tim Roth in my in my book stole the whole film. And quite yes. rightly, yeah, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, Helena Bonham Carter did a pretty good job, I thought as well. Um, Paul, I can never, n- n- Paul I never, re- yeah, yeah, I thought he was amazing. I have to he say, was funny, funny as hell, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were standout, you know, standout performances. But I don't know, I, I wasn't a great fan of that of the whole thing actually. And then, you know, trying to do a bit of a the turnaround on some of the dialogue at the beginning of the film without giving too much away as well um, didn't really make me laugh, I have to say. Um, so on the whole, I have to say, I was, I was fairly disappointed. And I actually thought it was quite confusing in places too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. I mean, I mean, you know, as I said, we've, we've done a... I actually picked it as my movie Hell for Tim Burton. And that's not, and that's not to say I hated it completely, you know. No. I think it was interesting that they 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 went a different way with it um yep. i like the way he reimagined some of it i like the fact that they you know incorporated more sort of eight movement into the performances sometimes i yep. thought that yep. worked i agree with what you're saying about some of the performances were good definitely um uh tim roth's character is it fade or whatever um yes was 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 yeah a really cool character in it um one of one of my problems with it with regards to the 
references to the the original films was the mm. fact that for my taste they were way too winky um they were yeah. way too uh, particularly where cool as it was to get charlton heston in it and, yeah, and yeah. as an ape that was fine but when he ended up saying damn them all turn them all to hell <laughs> yeah, i yeah. just wanted to cringe you know yeah, and also yeah, yeah. To take your filthy hands off me you stinking human you know and all that yeah. it was all like a bit whereas obviously the 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 newer franchise which i'm sure we'll get on to um you know which is full of references but they're full of non-distracting references sure. so yeah. if you're a fan yeah. of the franchise you get it but if you're not if you're a new viewer to it it doesn't stand out as being odd either you know because they're much more they're much more subtle so that yeah, that, yeah. that was my problem with the burton one although um y you know hats off to them for reimagining it the whole thing and not just trying to do a you know a carbon copy as it were so well uh, yes and know. no i mean it's um i mean it was it was too close to the original material i mean just sort of making it more for from the point of view of the apes than from the humans and you know again it's kind of confusing when it comes to where the humans have come from and all that kind of stuff but then the whole thing with Marky Mark going back to, I guess, mm. Earth and it all being, you know, apes. I mean, there's, there was, I mean, it just, it, it baffles me because at least in the original Planet of the Apes, it makes sense. Yeah, the twist sure. makes sense. In, yeah. in, in that one, it, it made no fucking sense. <laughs> yeah know? no i know i spent i spent many many an hour trying to sort of outside of the film get my head around it and how it could have worked and and you're absolutely right it really doesn't yeah. make any sense at all i mean yeah. is is it a case of that uh that when he went back in time that he went back so far in time that um that they actually ended up on a you know i don't know pre yeah, you know, Earth of old age, or mm -mm. yeah, know, I mean that's kind of how I used to justify it that they came back at a point in history where, um, you know, our civilized society as we know it was was at a certain level where they were able yeah. to just change the face of the Abraham Lincoln uh, sure. Memorial, for example, yeah. or, you know, yeah. and, and stuff like that. It's 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 the only way it makes any sense at all. But then again. Mm. You know, I'm not sure that Tim Burton actually intended it for it to make any sense. You know, I think at the no. time it was thought as a sort of standalone movie yeah, and sure. um, uh, not necessarily part of a franchise, as it were. So, um, yeah, yeah who, who knows? It's, it's, it's definitely one for debate, which yeah. one could argue makes it makes it a good film. Well, uh, no, <laughs> it's, it's, I don't think there's uh, a debate for saying it's a it's a good film. It's just it. I don't know. It, it feels weirdly. Just a debate. Well, it's, it feels weirdly like a cash grab. I mean, it does. It does yeah. feel like you know, they they had the license and they said, well, you know, we'll we'll make this. And this yeah. was kind of the the beginning of Tim Burton as a, a remake king, isn't it? Alice in Wonderland and sort of more films yeah. for Disney. Yeah. yeah. I mean I must admit it didn't it didn't for me it didn't stand up to the original and also oh, no. it does it doesn't no. stand up to what's followed either. 
So I mean, um, you know, in a way, it was it was nice to see Charlton Heston in it. In a way, would would have been nice if Roddy McDowell had survived to be in it. Um, the weird thing I found about the interesting bit about the whole thing. Do you remember with the the, this, there's the whole thing about the gun being in this sort of um, in, encased in this sort of I don't know what you'd call it. Do you remember the scene with with Fade and him, and he breaks this thing open? It's the gun inside. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm a big Chuck fan. I've met him. Blah de blah. Um, he's in, you know his whole thing about the, with the you know being the, in the National Rifle Association. <laughs> and then, <laughs> It happened to be a gun in this thing, which was the thing about man that was bad. It was kind of interesting. Mm, you're right. That is okay. interesting. I well, maybe that was me. That maybe way. I read that into it. <laughs> yeah, ben, can I, I ask you a question? I mean, mm? um, have you seen Bowling for Columbine? Have I seen it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so what? as a, as a, a mm. Chuck fan, how did you think of his portrayal in that documentary? Well... I like Michael Moore as a filmmaker, but I have to say it was very uncomfortable to watch, considering Charlton Heston was suffering from some kind of, you know, dementia at the time. And I thought that was a bit of a cheap sort of move on on Michael Moore's part, I have to say. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. must admit, I, I try, for me, I try and separate the, you, you know, the movie star from the... Uh, from the person yeah and, yeah uh, sure you, you know it's it's kind of uh yeah it's 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 a tricky one that's that 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 is a tricky debate and um yeah you know i, I, I don't agree I, with charlton heston's point of views on a lot of things i have to say but at the end of the day i was a big fan of his work and my god if there's a movie star if there ever was a movie star it's him i agree yeah you know in stature and everything, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh, you know his his body of work, um, it, you know, was very impressive, and uh, mm. it, you know, but uh, yeah, political views and whatever <laughs> don't don't, yeah. don't always don't always necessarily share them with 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 some of my uh, you know hero with actors. My, yeah, you know. I know where you're going. <laughs> Yeah, let's 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 not go there. Let's move along. <laughs> let's movie heaven, movie hell. Not not uh, not not politics heaven. No, politics hell. Or there's only one, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So back in um, was it two thousand? Was it two thousand nine, two thousand ten? When the uh, the first of these new prequels came out. It, it was I, actually 2011. 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so 2011. Uh, I I just I remember going into a cinema foyer and seeing this poster for it. I'm like, oh, what's this? Mm-hmm. And I I was really surprised there wasn't much fanfare for this film. The, yeah. You know the Tim Burton film. There was a lot of hype coming up before mm-hmm. it was released. And you kind of knew it was being made, but yeah. What's that? Sorry, it's some it, the, it's something from outside. But oh, okay. Don't, don't worry. Okay. Just it. <laughs> it's a bit hard not to. Um, uh, so yeah. Um, uh, so suddenly, this fully formed film was here, mm. called Rise of the Planet of the Apes. So. Um, I I remember thinking, oh, okay, another prequel. Um, 
I don't know. I maybe catch it. I don't know. But I, I remember I didn't feel any enthusiasm for it. How did how did you guys uh, hit first hear about it, and what did you guys think before seeing the film? You well, go first, Ben. <laughs> well, I mean, I did I did see a bit of stuff online about it. I think. Um, and I, I think I was flagged up by the IMDb that it, you know, that it was it was going to be happening. Um, obviously, Keith knows me quite well. Um, I was slightly worried about the whole, well, what I thought was CGI, but it obviously is motion capture. I, I, I must admit, I was I was quite worried about the whole thing and how it was going to gel and, and whether I would like it and whether it would work. Um, so that that was my initial thoughts. Um, I mean, Andy Circus. You know, I, obviously, I've met him and worked with him, and I—he's a great actor. But I didn't know how it was going to turn out. You know, that was that was before I saw it, obviously. Oh, what, what did you work with Andy Circus on? Well, I did a play actually with him um, in the West End in 1997, oh, okay. called Hurley Burley, and I I understudied him. Oh wow! Um, and was I understudied another actor as well called Mark Benton? I ended up going on as as his part in the end which was a fantastic experience i have to say but yeah i spent like three months with andy circus and david tennant and people like that and it was amazing sorry for the name dropping no 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 do it absolutely oh it's 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 rare for to you know when we talk about a subject that we are talking to somebody who's actually met you know Mm -hmm. somebody who's part of part of the uh the films we're talking about Uh uh-huh no, so absolutely. I was really pissed off that it was him and not me playing Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. No, absolutely. I mean, um, you, you know, Rise for the Planet of the Apes, which interestingly was Paul Den's original title for Battle uh, for the Planet of the Apes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, y- y- you know, to start with, I, w- I thought it was going to, when, when I sort of read and I tried to avoid too much, but when I read the basic synopsis, I actually thought, oh, this is a remake of Conquest of the Planet of the Apes then. Mm-hmm. You, you know, when I read about, you know, it was going to be Caesar and, you know, the right, and I was like, oh, okay. But when I first saw it, and, I, and I, this is one of those rare films that I went back to the cinema, I think maybe three or four times afterwards to, to watch it because I loved it so much. Mm. Um I was so pleased at what they'd done was sort of a, a prequel reboot or a preboot or whatever you want to call it. But what, what I liked is they addressed a lot of the questions that had been raised in the original films and kind of gave them some context and meaning. Um, you know, like, for example, I, I was delighted that um, it started by them trying to develop a cure for Alzheimer's. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've got a, one of my best friends, um, sadly lost his, his, his father, who I'd known all my life uh, through Alzheimer's around the time that this film came out. And uh, I remember I did a, a charity run for it at the time. Um, and I thought that, you know, John Lithgow's performance in it and the fact that they they made it about something real, you know, this this sci- sci-fi element with motion capture and, you know, all of these ideas, but around a, a central theme like that um, really impressed me. And then, of course, you know, the, the again, spoilers, folks, but the, <laughs> the end of the film with with the, 
you know, the pandemic spreading, which is the thing that, that you know, wipes out the human race uh, as a result of it all, um, you, you, you know, explained a lot. So we, we, we found out, you know, why the apes had their intelligence and, and evolved. And we found out why, you know, mankind was wiped out. And we find out what the whole reasoning behind it was. So I thought this was absolutely perfect as a as a prequel um and a new way of telling this story and of, and of course you know i thought it looked amazing as well which i'm sure we'll get into but um but yeah it, it was it it was one of my favorite films of that particular time um 2011 i don't know what else was out that year but um this was definitely high on my list of of you know favorite films that year for sure mm. What about you, Simon? What did you think when you actually saw it? Oh, I enjoyed it. I mean, uh, it was a, a really nice surprise. I I think 2011 was a bad year for some of blockbusters, if I recall rightly. Uh, I can't I can't remember what else was being shown that year, but I don't remember them being that very good. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, I I really enjoyed uh, Rise. Um, I think didn't I go to cinema to see it with you? You may well have done. <laughs> I, I, like I said, this is this is one of the, you know, we talk about the amount of content there is to try and get through these days, and, yeah. and you, you know, I, I, unlike when I was a kid and used to multiple view everything, um, nowadays, unless it's something special, hmm. I, I tend to not go um, back and see it on the big screen again. But uh, but yeah, certainly with well, with Rise, Dawn, and War. Um, uh, you know, war I've already seen twice. Oh, and wow. It only okay. came out, what, a week ago or whatever. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I've, I've, uh, I'm a big, big fan of, of, of this. And uh, I think for me, it, it, you know, it's a really good prequel um, stroke reboot or whatever you want to call it to, to the original films. But at the same time, I find that it doesn't trample on the original films. You, you know, it, yeah. one could argue that those original films take place after this, and mm. they definitely set it up to, you, you know, whether or not they're going to reimagine it uh, with the fourth m movie. We, we don't know yet, but um, but even if they don't, you can almost, you know, you have to spend suspend your disbelief a little bit, but you could almost, you know, finish War and then watch. 1968's planet of the apes and think to yourself this could this could follow well anywhere mm. between 15 years to 5,000 years afterwards and it sort of holds up and makes sense on the most part so yeah. um yeah so 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 yeah i'm really pleased they've almost done, done like jj did with star trek and you know they've they've sort of been able to reboot it without sort of taking a big dump on what the the original material was <laughs> so yeah. the, you know the only thing i will say though is the it, it it's easy to connect this new series to pl the original planet of the apes but to connect it to the original series of films of planet of the apes it doesn't quite work because of the whole time loop that the uh the original yeah. series brings up which uh in the prequels there isn't that there, there's no apes that come back from the future to, you know, 
1973 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, I mean, it's that it's that old thing about you know that sort of paradoxical thing about time loops and timelines and and you, you know, obviously, uh, you know, it was a great idea when they when they came to escape the uh, the fact that. You know they'd blown up the world in beneath, so they're like, "Well, how do we? How, how on earth do we do that?" Oh, well, they could have they could have uh, taken the spacecraft and left and gone back in time just before it exploded, you know, mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It, it's not it's not perfect, yeah. but at the same time, I think that it, they've done it in a way which has been quite clever and quite subtle and doesn't, you know, take a sort of massive no. dump oh, no, no, over no. everything. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's just, um, as you say, it's where do they go from here? Because now that they've, you know, they've done these three prequels, and as you say, they could lead straight into Planet of the Apes. Do they carry on following Caesar's story or do they just now, you know, jump that sort of, you know, hundred years, five hundred years to see uh, ape society around the time that uh, Charlton Heston's character turns up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable, for example, that the the offspring of Maurice, um, you know, could end up becoming the lawgiver. Mm-hmm. You, you know, in the ape society, which because obviously by the time by the time of Planet of the Apes, um, you, you know. Caesar was legend and um uh you, you know obviously the lawgiver had set out those things which which they they have in the second film about ape ape must not kill ape and yeah. um apes together strong and knowledge is power you know those those three key mantras and and that's the thing you, you know you can tell the guys that made this reboot series were fans of the original films because mm. you know it, it is absolutely littered with with subtle reference and um you know respect for those films and i think that i think that's the key word is respect they've respected the original without taking like like some franchises have a massive great dump Mm -hmm. (laughs) on on source material you know i have to say you know i i do love the new movies i have to say as i said i was initially worried about the cgi or the or the motion capture but they work absolutely brilliantly and i have to say again that it's not very often these days that I look forward to a film coming out. And with the new Planet of the Apes films, I got that back, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Yeah. And, well, it was, and it I was think, like... Sorry. I'm just going to say, you know, any, any film, you know, they often say about films is, if you can remember a few fantastic moments from a film, then it's done its job. And I have to say, the one moment I can remember from Rise that gave me that, that feeling, you know, of, oh, my God, hair on the back of the head. I haven't got any hair on my head, but on the back I have. Um, <laughs> when when the horse is coming across the Golden Gate Bridge oh, yes. without without a rider, you think, and all of a sudden Caesar appears on top of it. And for me, that was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Oh, it's a great bit of iconography. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and you know there are lots of moments like that in 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 all three of these films. Um, yeah. You, you know I I think I think that's the strength. Um, you, you know going with the the, the Caesar storyline. Um, you know definitely total kudos to Andy Circus. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know having him through the, you, you know have his sort of life through the three movies. Um, 
really does make it all sort of tie together and and, and work quite nicely because I think um, and again Ben I, you might correct me if I'm wrong here but um, obviously for Dawn uh, we changed director we went from Rupert Wyatt over to Matt mm. Reeves yeah yep. and of course that meant that uh, uh, some of the some of the key creative crew um, changed as well some of the collaborators yeah. changed but obviously the, the, the characters of Caesar, Maurice, Rocket and Cobra um, mm. all carried forward with the same actors, which was which yes. was a good thing. Um, yeah. But is that because uh, I don't know too much about why Rupert Wyatt departed and and, and Matt Reeves took over. But w w was it because they were looking to take it down a different path do you, do you know anything I, about that i think so i think the phrase is creative differences isn't it <laughs> um, i do have that feeling that yes he, he wanted to take it in a different way and whoever it was didn't want to and i think it must have been very difficult on both sides to have made the decision that rupert white wouldn't be doing the next one um I, mean, I love what matt reeves did with it and obviously the new guys on board but it would have been very interesting to see how it would have gone you know, with Rupert Wyatt's version of what would happen next. You know, would it would mm. it have been a complete um, departure, or would it have would it have been fairly close to to what Dawn was about? I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's mm. very interesting. I mean, maybe may, maybe he wanted to go more the route of going back to the like the original story from the original movie because obviously that they, they set that up nicely in rise you know you've got yeah. again very subtle but you've got the news report about the icarus mm. flight and of sure. course you've got you've got the newspaper um where it says you know that that, that it, the mars mission's gone missing you know so um mm. <laughs> it, 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 they were quite nice sort of subtle setups and you know those could still come into play because let's be honest uh mm. you, you know those guys are in cryogenic form uh on the icarus so they could come back yeah. at any time so <laughs> you, you, you know it totally works but um, yeah, yeah but the one thing the one thing this this uh reboot um series did that was quite smart i think is i noticed with the with the original series, uh, they were always, and even Tim Burton's film, they were always really specific with dates. Um, you know, you, mm -hmm. that they, they would discuss, and and it would appear on instrumentation and whatever the the actual dates that everything was happening. Whereas mm. um, with Rise, y you know, it was kind of it was contemporary because obviously the, the the surroundings and the vehicles and the technology and all that sort of stuff was was very contemporary but it was kind of you know it could have been that sort of near future we weren't exactly sure when and this is really geeky of me but i actually <laughs> this is really sad on the blu-ray i did actually freeze frame <laughs> the, the the newspaper to see oh, if really? they put a date on it and it was actually where you know, before the pandemic takes off, before the battle on the Golden Gate Bridge, yeah. that paper is actually July of 2016. So they were setting oh, it slightly ahead of when they oh. made it, you know, in, yeah. in 2011. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think the fact that they kept that somewhat ambiguous and not obvious has yeah, yeah. actually sort of helped it a little bit, actually, because that was the only thing jarring watching yeah. the 1968 version again was the fact that 1972 is so specifically mentioned and yeah, yeah. displayed 
as being the date that they left. And of course, yeah. in the TV series, it always used to put up 1980, didn't it? Which yeah, uh, yeah. in both cases was the future at the time. Talking <laughs> about geeky moments, guys, just briefly. Um, are you aware, I, I, I could be wrong here, in Escape from the Planet of the Apes, um, when um, Zira is under sort of, uh, under some sort of medication and she's being interviewed by Dr. Hasline, I think it is, and she talks about um, ape history, and she says that there was an ape called Aldo who finally said no. Okay, ah. now, she didn't. I don't think she specified that it was a gorilla, but she may have done. But in Conquest, um, there's a character called Aldo in Conquest who gets beaten up on the steps, which makes Caesar shout out, "You lousy human bastards!" Now, in of course um, Conquest. It was Lisa that says no at the end of the film. That's right. Um, so it's, I don't know, that is, sorry, that is a geeky kind of timeline <laughs> thing that they kind of either changed or got wrong or something. I don't know. Well, you know, people, people in, in history gets, uh, you know, it's, it's all about perspective, isn't it? And yeah. people sometimes get stuff wrong and like we yeah. do. And <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, it kind of works, but um, but yeah. interestingly, with, with Conquest, actually, where you touch back on that, mm. um, on the Blu-ray, and and I don't know, you mentioned Simon that you've you've probably only seen this once or whatever. On the Blu-ray, there are actually two versions of Conquest yeah. of the Apes because it caused um, the original version with a test audience back in the seventies caused a bit of. Uh, an uproar because of how dark the ending was. So they actually um, got Roddy McDowell back to uh, to loop some lines and they played with the editing a little bit oh, so right. that the end of the theatrical ver or the, the normal released version is quite different to the ending of mm. the... Um, uh, original cut which is on mm. the um on the blu-ray so uh y you know I, I can always loan you my blu-ray set simon <laughs> if you want to treat treat yourself to that um, um well, this, what, what does, what's what what is the difference then i mean you know oh do you want me to spoil it yeah yeah yeah. i think i've i, th I think i've seen the original ending I, th I don't think i've seen the theatrical one but uh, i'm not sure tell me well, in the uh, actually, um, I mean, in in the in the normal version uh, of of Conquest of the Apes, the one that gets played on the television and the one that was originally released on on uh, home video, um, Don Murray's character, which I'm trying to remember, is it Governor Breck? Is that right? That's Breck. Um, yes. Breck. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, the gorillas, they, they, they surround him at the end and Caesar does this sort of whole speech. And um, apparently in the original ending, which is which is very shocking, and I can see why they, especially with the family audience that they used to enjoy, why they changed it. <laughs> the the um, the apes, uh, they raise their rifles and they actually mm. um, beat uh, Brent to death. Okay, whereas in the, in the recut version... Um, Caesar does a speech and they spare um, the Brett character. So, ah, right. Yeah, so it's quite Keith, a major difference, isn't it? You know, <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it right, Keith, that they actually crank the film backwards? So instead of the rifles going down to hit him, you see the rifles going backwards instead. 
that's correct. Yeah, what they did yeah. is, is they got they got Ronnie McDowell into loop, and they they used shots where it's more about his eyes than his mouth, so that the fact he was saying mm. different stuff kind of works. And mm. then you're absolutely right in editing. Bearing in mind we were talking old film editing back in those days, they did indeed jog. The, the the film backwards so that the rifles are being raised rather than slammed down <laughs> and it works it looks fine you know it doesn't look hokey at all unless unless um somebody pointed it out you'd never know so i've spoiled that for everyone <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> but uh but y- y- you know it, it's it's uh it's interesting that they went that that dark and that was uh I think it was it was it J. Lee Thompson was the um, the guy who'd done the Guns of Navarone and whatever was yeah. the uh, the director yeah. of that one and uh, of course you, you think about it that film looks epic in its proportion yet mm. this was done with like by that point a third of the budget of the original film mm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you know um, kudos to this guy <laughs> mm. for pulling it off really mm. um, but. I think something we need to touch on because you have mentioned it uh, briefly is is we, we've talked about uh, mocap technology um, in the new films as opposed to uh, appliance makeup in mm. the in the originals, and um, it, it, it's quite funny because it's it seems like I've been watching some sort of interviews, some some vintage ones with with Roddy McDowell but also some more recent ones with um, Andy Serkis. And and it's quite interesting because Roddy McDowell really talks about how, as you've rightly said, Ben, they they used to have to over-gestate with their their facial expressions for Mm -hmm. the the outward performance of the, Mm -hmm. in inverted commas, ape to, to, to come across and work. And listening to Andy Serkis... With the mocap, it's it, it's completely the opposite. It's it's all about the the inward performance and the internal performance mm. being captured, so that it could then be put through that process of, of by Weta of 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 you know um, creating the, the 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 ape. And uh, but but you know, I think I think they both work and they both have their own charm if that makes sense but, mm. but what what do you guys think about that you were going first Ben yeah I know I, I agree Keith yes I mean um I haven't looked into how mo capture works really I mean I've seen obviously the apes the act the actors doing it um how they lay stuff over the top of that is is kind of a mystery to me I have to say and in a way I'd like it to stay one <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, it, 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 hats off to both styles. As you say, it's in the new ones. It's all about the subtlety of performance, isn't it? More yeah, yeah. than than having to exaggerate. But then, as you said, just because the the actors had to exaggerate their faces in the um, early movies, it didn't show that through the makeup. It showed that they were just acting normally. Yeah. But yeah. but having to you know just up it a bit on the yeah in on sort of slightly um over over exaggerating but no i mean i'm i'm really pleased with with what they've done with the motion capture and i, I just think it's amazing the guys that that do all that stuff the new films um yeah fantastic yeah what about you simon well again i mean i'm in agreement with you both um 
I do remember again when I first heard about uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I did, you know, it, you tell it was going to be all CGI, and you're thinking, "Ooh, is, are these apes going to look any good?" And they they did mm-hmm. an amazing job. They did an mm-hmm. amazing amazing job. I mean, and a, a lot of you know the thanks for that goes to Andy Circus. I mean, he's sure. he's why I mean he should win an Oscar for for doing mocap because he, he seems yep. to be the the go-to guy for all this there's, mm-hmm. there's nobody quite like him out there who's you know doing these mocap um performances yeah so, oh, i mean mm. he, he he's carved himself quite a uh quite quite an enviable career with mm. it basically hasn't yeah. he when you think about it i mean you know even being involved in the star wars movies as well but i mean yeah. you, you, you know um i know uh you know uh, is it Terry Notary? Um, he he's he's done a bit of this as well, and um, I can't remember the name of the chap that does a lot of the um, the ape, uh, you know, the ape movement skills um, with the actors. But again, uh, y- y- you know, def- definitely um, definitely impressive stuff. I mean, I, I have I have actually tried motion capture once myself. I did uh-huh. um, I did get a a gig for a um a test computer game and um you you know it it is weird because you know you are there in this sort of weird one piece outfit with a funny hat on and dots stuck all all over your face and whatever but um but i think the thing is the the you know when you look at what they've done um you know all of those actors that that their performances definitely come through i mean it is definitely performance capture um first and then obviously what weta do with the 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 wonderful technology to to actually make it look real from from there and it it is that like 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 all things in film it is that collaboration that really works so you have Mm -hmm. you know a definite definite character and performance created by those actors and the wonderful work they do and then you know the 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 digital artists that then go in and and do this and you can see in the sort of three years between each movie you can see how um weta have developed this and improved this like you know in the first film my understanding is uh you know everything was done um it all had to be done on set at that point even even if they were supposed to be outside that the technology at that point um wasn't there to 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 work in the outside element so they had to do everything sort of on Mm -hmm. set then obviously by the second film they developed it that they could go outside and and you know film in the real forest locations and things of that nature and uh, develop that uh, you know for that to work and then and then obviously um uh, one of the things I noticed with the second film um, was it was the only one that wasn't in full cinema scope. It was in one eight five, not two eight five, and um, two three five. Sorry, and 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 apparently that was something to do with the second one. Um, they couldn't do three D uh, in that particular aspect ratio with the motion capture as well, mm-hmm. uh, but then obviously for the third film for war they've developed it further so war was actually you know 235 to one aspect and i've not seen it in 3d but apparently it is 
in 3D as well as 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 um, being filmed outside. So you know mm. the, the the technology is constantly evolving and, and developing, and uh, you, you you know the subtle things like the the the, the wet fur and and the fact that they'd um you know aged um, Caesar slightly in this one and given him some grey whiskers bit like I'm getting now which is annoying um, but yeah so you know and all that sort of thing it's 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 uh, it is incredible and um, I, I do think mo- they both hold out but I had my reservations thinking CGI apes you know before I knew what was actually involved and um, yeah I think I think it works great mm. so to to wrap things up uh, which film at the both series is your favorite god oh dear <laughs> keith you're going that, first oh yeah I, yeah I don't know whether i can that's so <laughs> hard that that's like asking me what my favorite movie is period you know it's yeah. like <laughs> um i mean there's always something to be said for the original yeah um and god in the reboot series it's really hard because um they are all so good. Mm. Mm. Uh, I, I know I'll be controversial and I'll say mine's the animated TV series called Return <laughs> to the Planet of the Apes. That is controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm <Well>, probably joking. <laughs> is that your answer then? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, out of the... I mean, I... I oh, dear. Um... <laughs> I, I suppose I've still got a, a soft spot for Rise of the Planet of the Apes, actually. Um, you know, it is that bridge film. And, uh, you know, much as I like what Dawn and War have done, and I think they work really well together, um, you, you know, there is something nice about seeing the origins. As I already mentioned, I like this sort of bringing the so Alzheimer's cure into it and things of that nature. So I guess if I was put on the spot, I'd have to say Planet of the Apes 1968 from the original series and Rise of the Planet of the Apes from the reboot series. There you go. We'll, we'll call it that. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to agree on both. Ah, okay. Um, I would. I almost almost broke and changed Conquest instead of the planet of the apes because i movie. i have a re- i really love that movie um there's, there's no, no right gonna... or wrong answer ben it's whatever no. you feel <laughs> yeah yeah no i think i'm still yeah i'm gonna have to agree yeah the original 68 planet of the apes and rise although i do obviously love the others too <laughs> yeah what about you, Simon? Uh, i have to agree as well uh, <laughs> uh, there's, there's always something about the original Planet of the Apes that every time I watch it, um, I sort of enjoy it as a total piece. And mm. seeing it growing up, you sort of get to see different things in there, you know. Mm. Before it was like an adventure with apes, and then as you grow older, you see it's more of a, a political story as well, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. the whole sort of. Um, when he's brought in front of the the court, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you get the whole thing about you know, well, you know, humans don't have no rights, and you know, they can't talk, and they're not, you know, 
and also with his friend being uh, being dissected. Well, mm-hmm. not dissected, but you know he's lobotomized. Lobotomized. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, mm. it's pretty serious stuff with the exception of the one shot where they do the hear no evil, see no evil, <laughs> speak no evil. Yeah, but you yeah. know what? It's that made fine. Me chuckle. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> it, 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 it works in the context of it. It really yeah, does. Yeah. yeah. Apparently it's... it was Heston's idea. Apparently that was. Um, oh, okay. It was, it was okay. just supposed to be a joke on set, but it actually made it into the edited movie. <laughs> so, oh, wow. you know... <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it works in in the confines of that scene. I think if it had been put anywhere else, then it would have been, you know, silly. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. Also, um, mm. sorry. I was going to say. I mean, Rise. You know, as I say, it was a, a surprise for all of us how good it was, and it it does mm. a great job of setting up that world. Yeah, because it is different yeah. to the to the original series, so. You know, and it'd be it's it's interesting to see where they're going to go with it now after war. Will, yes, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, kudos to Matt Reeves. I think he did a great job on Dawn and War, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. you, you, you know, it, it doesn't. It's not jarringly obvious that that, that it's a different, um, you, you know, creative team. It do, it does feel like it's all part of one cohesive consistent story and um mm. you know I, me me being me is obviously very pleased about that and mm. uh, as i said y- you know my my head canon even ties it into the original film series as well so it's all good yeah um mm. I, I did mention totally as a joke there but i think i do want to just before we finish stop on it mm. um if either <laughs> of you see i know you have ben did, simon did you see the, the animated Return to the Planet of the Apes from the seventies. I, I think I have. I think I, I have like a vague memory of it. I think uh, I have kind of wiped it from my brain. But I, I, I think <laughs> I, I, I think I have seen something of it. Yeah, I, I mean, do, I, the thing hmm. the, the thing I thought was interesting with that, you know, I mean, okay, you know, the animation and whatever's a bit a bit naff, um, <laughs> etc. Although the original artwork's quite good, but. Um, Mm. Uh, but but one of the things I thought was quite interesting was, and again, it's it's kind of going back to uh, Rod Serling's script and obviously the original novel, is is the fact that in that one, because it was animation, um, they could afford to sort of play with the fact that the the apes had a slightly sort of more evolved society, and it was kind of almost like a sort of seventies society where. You know, they had vehicles, they had aircraft, they had yeah. phones and television and, and, and you know, w- was able to do that, those sort of things that they couldn't afford to do or they did for budgetary reasons. They, they cut from mm. the original film and made it a more pr- primitive society. Mm. And I always thought that was kind of interesting. I thought some of their ideas and storylines were quite interesting, even though it was um, obviously, you know, aimed at kids and uh <laughs> and and not fantastic animation but um yeah i I'd... i never got to see those until the dvds came out and that was the first time i um i got to see the animated ones can i quickly mention the costumes in the original movies yes yeah, sure of course you can which i thought <laughs> were absolutely fantastic and still hold up and i realize with the new movies they're kind of trying to slow that evolution down because you know, how would they be able to make those, you know, the, the, the uniforms they wear and stuff like that, you know, without having that understanding of it. 
at this point. Yeah. But mm. I, 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 I do like think those... the original apes costumes are so iconic, you know. I agree. I agree. And, and obviously, you know, of course, they recycled those for the TV series yes. as well. And rightly so. Yeah. They, were da- they were damn good costumes. But one of the things <laughs> I did kind of like in War as a sort of little nod to that was the fact that Bad Ape um, <clears throat> had a body warmer. Yes. <laughs> you, put, you know, so they kind of they kind of hinted that they were starting to sort of wear clothes yeah, and whatever. Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I thought that was that was kind of fun. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it depends. I mean, it depends if they're just going to go a few years, you know, like uh, a decade or two decades ahead or whether they're yeah, going to. Yeah you know, jump thousands of years ahead, I guess, as yeah. to, um, you know, how evolved both the apes' language uh, and and the apes' clothing, um, yeah. etc. goes. But, uh, yeah. but you're right, in the 68 movie, um, that, that they work really well, as do mm. the um, the ANSA, not NASA, but the ANSA oh, yeah, astronaut yeah. costumes. They, they, yeah. they, they, they look pretty good as well, I think, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They don't last very long, but they, no. they're good. <laughs> I, well, I never, I never got to talk about my history of the apes talking in film, or, or books rather, <laughs> or the scientific aspects of apes talking. But maybe I'll have to leave that to another program. Oh, no, if maybe you, when you've got David Attenborough on or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, is there anything particularly that you want to mention about that? Because I can make it very brief. Now, now is your time, Ben. I'll make it very brief. I'll make it very brief. I was just looking at the history of of, of the concept of apes talking on, on in literature, really. And one of the ones I've noticed is one of the early ones is the Island of, Island of Doctor Moreau by H. G. Wells. Oh yes, which we've that talked like about on this podcast. Yes. Oh okay. <laughs> and the remake. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I found is, and also there was a, a a Franz Kafka script called A Report for an Academy which was written in 1917 and it's about an ape who's captured during a hunting expedition on the Gold Coast and he's right. caged on board a ship and he learns to talk and act like a human on the journey back and when he's back he, he does this big speech in front of this you know, academy of learned, very learned, um, intelligent people uh, and it's quite an interesting thing. I mean, it, there is a play of it actually. It was on in London a few years ago, I think. It's like a one-man show or one-woman show. All oh, um, oh, right, okay. And the whole, just a quick one about the the scientific sort of thing. Um, in 1909, apparently some American psychologists um, had a report, conducted a test in front of a panel of scientists with a vaudeville ape called Peter. And apparently included in this was a demonstration of its ability to say several words, including, including the word mama. Right. I can okay. see you're interested. You, sorry, have you no. both done it off? <laughs> no, no, not at all. In fact, I love the fact that everything is connected and there's always sort of further reading and whatever. And I'm, yeah, impressed, yeah. That, I'm impressed that you're a fan enough to have done that, to be honest. So <laughs> I know, it's that, sad. That, that, that's cool. Of- it, put it this way, Ben, it's a normal thing, right? Every time you, you will feel that after recording this, because we, we do on every single one, is afterwards you always think, ah, I meant to talk about that, and oh, I didn't mention that, and oh, I okay. should have said that, and I think that's yeah, yeah. A, a normal <laughs> feeling of doing these things. But uh, but do go on. <laughs> well, one little one little bit really. Um, I mean, I, I saw this documentary a while back, um, which basically said that the one thing really that sets sets us aside from the great ape is our ability to be able to cook food. 
which unlocks nutri certain nutrients um, when we eat it, and this helps stimulate our brains, whereas this doesn't happen in apes because, as a rule, they don't cook food, basically, and prompting the argument that it's not necessarily the vocal cords of an ape that, that, can't, um, that makes it incapable of speech. It's the speech centers in the brain, which are either under, underdeveloped or unevolved. Having said that... Hmm. Minor birds and parrots can speak. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, but you know, it, it 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 is interesting how it all, you know, you know how it opens up this debate, yeah, yeah. and and I think this is the thing for anyone listening that hasn't, you know, watched any of these films. Um, I I I I think that that is the thing. Whereas a lot of people think of this as just maybe sort of science fiction nonsense. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, apart from being massively entertaining, um, yep. there are so many other levels to these films, sure. whether they're social, political, um, you know, educational, evolutional, uh, mm. scientific, you know, that th th there are so many, um, you know, strands and aspects to this stuff. So I, I, yeah. I think, um, I, I, you know, I, I think as, as an art form, it holds some merit for, for that alone. You know, mm, sure. <laughs> and may it continue. May the franchise exactly. continue. Exactly. Indeed. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. Cool. Indeed. So, uh, Ben, are you on social media? Can people find you on the web? Yes, I'm. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, and I've got my own website, uh, which is www.benshockley.co.uk, and. It's just, well, just find me on Facebook and Twitter as Ben Shockley. I'll come up, definitely. Bald bloke, basically. That's me. <laughs> and are you working on anything specific at the moment, Ben, that you want to sort of plug while you're on here? Um, well, apart from that short film I'm doing with you soon, Keith, <laughs> if you want to well, talk about that. No, but have, have you not got a screening coming up? Or have I misunderstood oh, something? Well, I did a... Uh, yeah, I've been doing a feature film over the last couple of years, really, called the blazing cannons is that the one you mean yeah i mean only if only if you want to mention it i just want to give you the opportunity oh, yeah. to if, if, no if please i didn't you want to share <laughs> I, i've got nothing prepared um, oh right right but no cool yes blazing cannons um comedy cop movie basically co-written by um myself and co-directed by myself and mark noyce and we co-star in it and it's basically a bit of a nod to Police TV series, really, of the 70s, that kind of stuff, with a bit of a nod to Dirty Harry as well. Of um, course. Got a screening in November <laughs> up in Peterborough, just for sort of cast and crew, really. Uh, and then we're hoping to do another screening, possibly in Maidstone, and one in, in London early next year. So that's that's the okay. big news, really. Right. And you'll post that on your website, will you? I will, as yeah. As and when I those will. things happen. Yeah? Sure. Okay, cool. <laughs> sure. Cool. So, Keith, how can we find your work? Uh, yeah, if you go to YouTube and put in British Isles, I will spell E-Y-L-E-S, as in my last name. Uh, there is a selection of short films that I've written, produced and directed there that you can find. Uh, for anything else, if you put me into IMDB, you can see sort of past, present and, uh, well, future <laughs> mm. work on there. <laughs> and as always, you can find my work on independentrunnings.com. Uh, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, YouTube and all good uh, podcast providers. 
Uh, we have a, a fan page uh, on Facebook. Just search uh, Movie Heaven, Movie Hell, or follow us on Twitter. And uh, you can leave a, a rating and review uh, on iTunes and Stitcher. It all helps. Indeed. So uh, that leaves us to uh, thank uh, our guest, Ben, for coming along. Yeah, thank, uh-huh. thanks, Ben. I know we only scratched the surface, but, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's the, you got some of it out, right? I <laughs> uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. That was fantastic. Thanks, guys. That was excellent. Really enjoyed it. Please uh, join us again for the next episode of Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. What's bothering me? I want to be a man, man cop, and stroll right into town and be just like the other men. I'm tired of walking around. Oh, ooby-doo. I want to be like you. I want to walk like you. Talk like you. You'll see it's true. And they like me. As man's red fire to make my dream come true. Now give me the secret, man cub. Come on, clue me what to do. Give me the power of man's red flower so I can be like you.
Ah. Uh.